Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I am your host, Ashrod Blakely, with the co-host with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. What's up? Happy belated birthday, girl. What's going on? You know, I am feeling a year wiser already. It, it, it was my birthday yesterday, and I'm still living in it. It's, you know, it's really my birthday week, if we're being real. Exactly. I, I'm just glad <laughs> that you showed up. Uh, yes. Because when I think about Kwani and celebration, usually there are uh, mature uh, libations in the up building. Stuff. Oh my goodness. No. Nope. So I'm just glad you're here, Kwani. I'm just so happy. <laughs> I really am. I'm just I'm here good. so I won't get fined. There you go. They, I, I tell you who, and you know, I'm, I'm happy you're here, and I'm happy betterline.ag is here with us as well. Uh, you know, A list podcast with Kwani and I. Uh, check it out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. And while you're there, maybe when you're done giving us a five star review, swing on over, check out betterline.ag and just. Let us know how you feel. Give us that five-star love on Spotify and give us major love to our, our sponsor, betonline.ag. And then we can keep it going. And speaking of keeping it going, Kwani, the Celtics don't seem to be going too far right now. They're exactly at 0.500 as we speak. They're not good. They're not bad. They're like right in the middle, 13 to 13 on the season. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the thing about that, you know, I, I talked with uh, Danny Ainge, asking for, uh, for for a story I did for my latest uh, part of the Blakely Empire, who I'm working for now. Oh, uh, I did a story this week on Danny Ainge, just kind of talking about the team and just, you know, who's to blame and things like that. And, uh, I mean, I think their biggest issue is just their, their defense. Uh, I, I think it's of all the things that they're not that good at right now, that stands out because that's the one thing that they've, been pretty consistently good at through the years. Uh, when you look at them struggle, Kwani, what jumps out to you that they need to get a little bit better at? I don't want to copy your answer, but I do think that the defense is the biggest one. We talked about in other podcasts how important Marcus Smart is to that defense, and he really gets them rallied up and going, and mm-hmm. him not being around for some time, and the players just – I don't know. I feel like this team is still regrouping right now, which I'm not exactly sure why. But defensively, they're not obviously where they need to be. Jalen Brown even called out the team saying that they should be accountable for it. And they definitely need some stepping up that needs to be done. But offensively, we already knew that this team would be good. So defense wins championships. It's cliche, but I think it is very important for a successful season for any NBA team. Yeah. When when I talked with Danny, he talked about just... It's on me. He basically he's he's falling on a sword on this one, and and I I don't agree with that. I I think that there are multiple folks uh, who should be uh, tried uh, for the crimes that we see on a court committed by this <laughs> team. Not just Danny. We are not accepting his guilty plea. No, reject. Right. Uh, you know, he, he talked about just that. You know, some of the there just needs to be a greater sense of urgency among the players. I think there there's something to that. Uh, I, I think part of that is Brad not really being able to tap into creating uh, and, and amplifying a sense of urgency with, with, with these guys. Uh, and, and again, as the person who puts that team together, I get it. He's it's on him to some extent, but there's so many other players who are or individuals beyond just the players who are factoring into this team, not being as good as they should be. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, 
as much as Danny wants us to kind of look at Brad and be like, nope, nothing to see here. Yeah, it kind of is because he's the one that is, you know, the one that's putting guys in and out of on the floor. And the one thing Danny said that I, I, I you know, it, it kind of stuck with me was how the group that they plan to begin the season with as a starting five has not played much together. And when he says they haven't played much together, we're talking seven minutes all season. Uh, and let me put it this way. Those seven minutes kind of sucked. Uh, they weren't very good. And there's, there's a, a, just an, a, an infinitesimal number of reasons why they weren't good. You know, there's, you know, Kimba Walker is still kind of working his way through. Uh, Tristan Thompson hasn't been nearly as impactful as I think the Celtics were hoping he would be. You know, Tatum has kind of been, you know, dominant some nights, dormant others. You know, and Jalen Brown has just been, he's been the one guy that you can count on night in and night out bringing it. Uh, but you're not going to go far with one guy bringing it night in, night out. Uh, we, we, we've seen that movie before, and it ends in the same way. Expectations are not met. So um, now one possibility that could change the calculus of this team mm -hmm. is that big, fat, massive <laughs> trade player exception that they got. Shout out to Gordon Hayward for making that happen. Shout out to G to the other G Money. Now, Danny is definitely open to using it. He's not going to commit to using that. Do you think he should use it? And, and, and if so, is there a guy out there that you think that they that would be a good fit here? That's the tricky part because I think when you look at this team, you everyone, I think, even if you're not a basketball connoisseur, you realize that there is something missing we talked about the defensive missing the defensive hole that we're seeing from the celtics but i think also offensively they could use maybe a better big man or some kind of more experienced vet that can really rally the team together but it's like is this person going to be a long-term player or is it just going to be a rental for a year is it worth it so obviously i'm not a general manager i don't make these executive decisions but I'm thinking with the team that they have now, even though they are pretty young, that they are still good enough in the East that if they got that big man or whatever piece that really could work in that offense could propel them to a championship level type team, I think it's worth it. But at the same time, it, I mean, I could understand not wanting to put all that stock into one person because we've seen in pa the past for the Celtics specifically that it hasn't always been in their favor. Yeah. Right. No, there are a couple of big men out there. Blake Griffin is one. Andre Drummond is another one. I, I don't I don't see the Celtics really pursuing either one of those. Neither guys. of them. Yeah. It becomes extremely complicated, you know, with the trade exception. Those guys make, you know, above that. And and, and so trading for those guys is something that I just don't see the Celtics doing. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think the Celtics right now, I think that they feel that their big man situation, while not great, uh, mm -hmm. they need guys who can make shots, not name Tatum. In Brown, uh, exactly. Kimba, I think his situation is, is tenuous. Where when he's healthy, he's great, but you don't really know if you can count on that. I, I just mm -hmm. this week, I, I spent a decent amount of time talking with, with different league executives just about the Celtics and that traded player exception, and I will get into why that is later on in the show. Uh, but the one name that came up on more than on from more than one executive that I, I think is definitely worth exploring and looking into is the Orlando Magic's Terrence Ross. Uh, Terrence mm. is a scorer. 
who can do it as a, as a reserve. He can do it as a starter. And when you look at the way things are with Kimba, you're going to need someone who may potentially need to be your starting shooting guard. or or And if he's not that, someone that you can keep on that bench and have them be an impact player in a reserve role. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of Lou Williams-esque game in him. I mean, when he gets it going, he really gets it going. And his contract has a couple more years on it, but the, the, the salary is, is a workable number. It's the kind of salary that if you're the Boston Celtics and you're looking for a seventh man to be your first guard off the bench, it's pretty close to what you'd be looking to pay someone for that particular role. So that's a name that I, I think we need to definitely you know keep an eye on. And there's others, you know, you, you'll hear about JJ Redick, you'll hear about bigs like you know uh, Marcus Aldridge, uh, you know, out in San Antonio, and and, and a few other names, but Terrence. Uh, Ross is a name that I think that we will definitely, I think, be hearing about. And speaking of names that we will be hearing about, <laughs> our guest this week is a name that I've been low-key stalking for a while. Oh, and, my gosh. And I'm going and I'm, and to finally confess to her that I have been low-key stalking her for a while. I was going to say don't tell her that, but you do you. <laughs> I, 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 I just got to get it off my chest. It's weighing me down. Uh, that will be... Mirren Fader, staff writer from The Ringer. Welcome in, Mirren Fader, staff writer with The Ringer. Uh, just an amazingly awesome writer. Uh, and we're going to get into some of your literary endeavors in a little bit. But welcome to the A-List podcast. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is awesome. We, as as you know, we, we've been trying to make this happen for a while now. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're finally able to make it happen. And, you know, we're just going to jump right into talking NBA because that's what we do. Uh, a player that I know you are quite familiar with is our good friend, LaMelo Ball. Now, you wrote this really awesome piece. I think it was like maybe a year or so ago where before he became, well, we knew about him, but you really gave us a much, I think, clearer glimpse into who he is and what he's about. And I wanted you just to talk a little bit about that. But before you do that, I wanted to read a passage from your story, which I, as someone who has dealt with his daddy, <laughs> I felt this passage surmised with so many of us who've dealt with his daddy have kind of felt. Uh, <laughs> and it reads, I listened to LeVar tell me proudly in an exclusive 56-minute interview that his son is embarking on a journey that is uncharted. But what I saw was the exact opposite. Every bit of the Lithuania experience is charted Every bit of it is staged by LeVar himself. By the end of January, he leapfrogs the head coach, manipulating the team and the competition to tip the scales in his son's favor. Um, I love that paragraph. I ain't going to lie. Love it. Take us through what that whole experience was like and just how did that – are you surprised at how things have kind of looked early on for him in the NBA based upon just some of those early experiences that you had around him and his family? Yeah, no, thanks for that. I mean, I think that was such a unique time period in Melo's life because he is essentially a child, a teenager that's being forced to grow up, but his dad almost like wouldn't let him grow up in that situation. So, you know, if you're making everything easy for him, putting him in, the, in this podon league and, you know, they didn't even run a sprint once in like the three weeks that I was there, um, how is he going to get better? So I think at that point I was just kind of like, I don't really know what's going to happen to him. Like if he's 
he's not at getting better in this crucial he's not being challenged like is this really serving him and it it definitely felt to me like it was so much more of like Lavar's interest than Lamelo he always looked really down but when I went to visit him in Australia last year I just kind of saw a different mellow and I think it's because his dad wasn't there for a lot of the time mm. so it was like it was like the first time he got to like actually experience life on his own you know his whole life has been chartered like I said by his dad and this was like finally a situation where he wasn't under those constraints and I think like what you're seeing now um, how well he's playing is such an extension of that because it's like he doesn't have to play this role of LeVar's son or Lonzo's brother. He can just be LaMelo. And I think all his life, he's been waiting to, you know, how can I assert myself? And that's that's what we're seeing. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's been definitely one of the top rookies in the NBA this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And just, you know, reading your story and just kind of looking at his whole situation from afar, it's so inverted when you think about how young athletes develop. Usually it's like, they're in this environment with mom and dad and, and, and they, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're coddled a little bit, but there's a certain control that they seem to have. And then they're left, then they go out on their own and they go, buck wow, they get into trouble. They become everything that a multimillionaire 19, 20 year old is essentially destined to be, which is never good. And it seems his narrative is just the opposite chaos coming up with daddy. Now you get out on your own you're now the adult finally finally get a chance to be an adult even though you're still kind of a kid but you're thinking and acting as if you're adult. i mean it's just it's it's a mind-blowing experience but as someone who has been around his daddy um it's not really all that shocking that all of a sudden you put in your big boy pants after you get away from daddy as opposed to when you're around him yeah, I mean, I think the most um, kind of steering part of the interview with him was when, you know, LaMelo told me that, like, he literally can't remember a time where the cameras weren't on him. So imagine if you're, like, five, six years old and, like, you think it's normal that there's all this attention on you. Like, you have no idea why people think you're special. You're just used to people following you and telling you you're great and, you know, having all this attention. It It's really hard to come to terms with, like, why you're famous or what fame means because you're just in it so he doesn't know what it's like to not have that so on the one hand I found that strange but then as you said it's like okay well he was kind of prepared for this so it doesn't surprise me that he's able to perform well just because he's so used to that camera what I think is most intriguing is that you know on the basketball court it's kind of ironic to say this but it's the one place he doesn't have to perform he can be mm -hmm. in his natural place and people might say well of course he has to perform he has to play well blah 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 but like i mean perform like a role he was like his dad's kid in the tv show and all these roles he didn't want to play but on the basketball court he's just the mellow basketball player and that is like the most natural most like happy place for him so it's almost like he's performing well there because he doesn't have to like act like it he can just be himself mm -hmm. And Marin, you've done a lot of NBA feature type stories. What is one story for you specifically that you would say stands out the most or you think it was the most interesting? Um, I mean, I love I love reporting on the NBA because like, as you guys know, all the players that you cover and follow, like there's so many interesting personalities. And so I think, you know, I love um, writing about players that have personalities that you might not expect. So um, I guess for me, it would be Brandon Ingram because 
you know, a lot of people told me they were like, he's so quiet. You're going to need to bring like three recorders to be able to pick up his sound. Um, and just going in, knowing that people were telling me he's going to be a bad interview. He's so quiet. I was like, no, maybe you just don't know him. Maybe he's more thoughtful. And so I think, you know, I loved working on that profile because it really taught me such a valuable lesson in reporting. It's like, never assume, you know, what these guys are like. And just because people say things doesn't mean they're right. Like none of us really know these guys. So just go in and be open and listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. They might write differently to you too. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience with Jason Tatum. Uh, first time we we talked. I mean, it was like, you know, you might. I mean, it felt like we were at the dentist office and he thought I was the dentist. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm like, dude, just just relax. And, you know, it, it, ha having covered Duke basketball in a, in a previous lifetime, guys who come through that program, when you first get them to the NBA, there's this certain almost cadence that they answer every single question with. You know, it's do to do to do to do to do do done. Next question. Even though the next question could be completely different and and more elaborate and intricate, you still get that do 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 do. And at some point, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I'm like, okay, Jason. No, no, no. Seriously, no, no. Look at me. Seriously. And I I try to do something just kind of shake him up a little bit. And 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 he. He's a good talker. He's a much better talker than I than I think people initially thought. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it is is just, you know, them being more comfortable with us. I, I think the fact that you know your your style lends itself to people opening up. Um, when I look at the details that you, the rich details that are in your stories, I mean that doesn't just come out of thin blue air. I mean you got to put in some work to get that stuff. So um, kudos to you. Uh, Thank you. you. Yay. I'm doing something right. No, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's just like, it's like they can tell if you're interested or not in, in them as people. Right. So like mm -hmm. if you approach them and you show up with a question that's like very gotcha and very like, I want to get a sound bite, they know, but like, they always laugh because I ask about their mom, like third question. I like, I want right. to know who, who made you. And I think right. because they, <laughs> everything they are, you know, it has to do with their mothers. And they're like, okay, she's not even asking me about basketball. It's kind of weird, but I'm intrigued. And I think that's how you get those details. It's like you show them that you're, you're showing up for them as a person first, and then we can get to the basketball. Then we can figure out what's going on there. Mm. Yeah. And go ahead, Kwani. No, you're good. Okay. Well, the one thing I, I wanted to get into before we got too deep in, into this is just, you know, obviously we're here in Boston and we deal with the Celtics and they, you know, they're, they're kind of in this weird place right now. Uh, we call, I call it to, to me, it's, it's, you know, it's the Meridian zone. It's, it's like the, it's the no fly zone. You're not great. You don't totally suck. Your record is literally right there on the Mendoza line. I mean, when you look at where they are, what do you think are some of the things that they need to do to kind of get back on track or just be better than what we've seen? To be honest, you guys would know that question far more than me. I'm working on a Lakers feature, and I know that that's not like a Wow, Miriam. I know that's very bad. I'm an I'm a L.A. native. I don't know. I feel like one of my best friends is actually a Celtics person, and, like, the frustration that he feels after every game, I, I almost don't understand it. I just – you know, so I, I don't know. I'm probably not the best for that. But I do know that, like, um, covering the Celtics for that one feature I did on the Marcus Smart story was actually one of the 
most pleasant media experiences I've had. Um, they actually, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but they actually let you talk to the player, which is like half the battle. <laughs> um, and they gave me some time with him, um, which we all have our horror stories of, of trying to get these features with other teams that just don't let us. So, mm -hmm. well, Talk to us a little bit about Marcus Smart, because obviously he's missed a few games for them uh, and, and they're just not the same team. What are just some of your impressions of, of him just being around him a little bit and just kind of getting to know him? And, and what he would mean to a team. He's so much smarter than people give him credit for. I don't know why that doesn't enter the narrative with him. It's always just focused on like defense and hustle and tenacity. But like Marcus is like truly an intelligent human and he has so much to say and he's so thoughtful um, and he's actually so loving. Um, and you just don't, the, the people just do not like that narrative, I guess. And they like their original narrative of him. Um, and so when he's missing from the team, you're missing not just like hustle and tenacity, but you're missing somebody that like offers wisdom. Like they look up to him. He, he says things that are really profound. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a Marcus fan. Like, I think he, I think he has so much more to offer in terms of leadership than just diving for a loose ball. Like that's part of it. He likes to show it with his work ethic, but I, but I do think that there is a leadership aspect that comes from like being a veteran, going through his own struggles, going through all the stuff off the court too. So I know they definitely um, miss his presence for sure. Well, I can just tell you right now and I'll, I'll, I'll deal with you off camera. We'll, I'll get you the, the secret handshake to the Marcus Smart fan club, which I'm a charter member of in the Boston community. Uh, it's true. It's true. Me, he gave you the scoop before you went to go protest. When he, yeah, when he went to when he went to protest here in Boston, uh, his people reached out to me, and I was the only media member of the media that they reached out to for that. Uh, yeah, and, that and, and that's because they know I am like that's my dude. Uh, I, there's there's so much about him that I I, I think to your point, Mary, that people don't understand, and frankly, I don't think they appreciate uh, right. His, right. his intelligence, his ability to make an impact in ways on and off the court. Uh, you know, some of the things that he does at the Children's Hospital before the pandemic that he was just real low key, not really talking about. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I, I knew a snitch or two in his crew that, that tipped me off that he was doing that. But but you know what? I, but I respected his wishes of keeping it on the down low. And then I, I you know, uh, there's no question that to me, Marcus Smart, if you're a Celtics fan, is a safe bet to go with night in, night out. And speaking of safe bets, there is no better safe bet than to go with betonline.ag. Uh, the BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The football season may be over, but the NBA is jacuzzi hot right now with the teams that are balling, trying to set themselves up for the playoffs, looking ahead to that March 25th trade deadline to see if they want to do something then. You've got college basketball, you got hockey, all those are in full swing. Also, BetOnline covers award shows, TV shows, and Kwani's favorite, reality TV, baby. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything and everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, all the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free, yes, free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts don't forget that 50 percent welcome bonus if you type in a promo code clns50 bet online your online sports book experts ah how did you, how did you do that i'm out of breath perfect, 
I love I that is like Quanny will tell you this. That's like my favorite part of the show. To, to do transitioning. This. I love Speaking it. I love, it. I, I, I love talking about them. Well, first of all, I they're, they're awesome sponsors. Second of all, I'm actually making money when I work with them. Uh and by yeah. that I mean like the bets that I've placed. I've been I've had a nice little run here. So um I'm happy. They make me happy. They make me happy. Not gonna lie. So Kwani, what you about to say something, Kwani? I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was just we we're gonna talk to Mira a little bit more about her career. She's been obviously covering a lot of stuff for the ringer, doing a lot of these good long form human type pieces. But basketball seems to be the sport that you favor the most. So where did that love of basketball come from? Yeah, I love basketball so much. Um, I was like 10 years old and I was in elementary school and I was like eating lunch with my girlfriends and I saw all these guys like run towards the basketball courts and I was just like I turned and I was like where are they going you know and I I just I don't know something in me like I don't lately I become like a spiritual person so I know people will crack up at that like oh my god really but I really do believe I was like spiritually moved and I I just ran with them and I was literally terrible at basketball. When I got on the court, I was like, I, what do you do with this? <laughs> um, but I was like absolutely in love with it. And um, I ended up playing like my whole life. Um, I played my first year in college at Lewis and Clark College. And, you know, basketball um, is something that's like, it, it's either you do it recreationally or it's your life. I think some most people are kind of like one or the other. And it was like really my life. Um, I'm also five feet. You can't tell. And uh, so you. Oh, too? Quani, Quani is ecstatic. Oh Quani my god! Is ecstatic. Hey, support group. Um, <laughs> too. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so you get the struggle. So it was very hard yes. to convince people um, that I could go to the WNBA. So I was like, okay, what can I do uh, that would be second best? And I loved writing this whole time, and so. Um, yeah, I've just found my way into it. And even though I do other sports, like some NFL stuff too, and just random sports, I just, I don't know, I just love being on the court, you know? And like when we mentioned Lithuania earlier, that was so cool for me because I got to like actually dribble on this overseas court. And I was like, oh my God, I did my dream. Like I'm playing overseas. Like I wasn't you made it. But I was there. <laughs> it you made it. I made it. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love basketball. That's awesome. Really. Now, now you, but you transferred to another school, correct? Yes. Yes. Occidental. So I ended, so I left after my first year. I knew it was going to rain every day in Portland, Oregon, but it's quite another thing to have it rain down on you day after day. And you think you can handle it. You think you're going to be okay. And I just, I hated it there. I hated playing for the team there. Um, I was like, I need to like actually go back home with the sunshine and uh, walk outside and feel privileged with my uh, 75 degree weather. And um, so that's what I did. So I transferred to Occidental College and then I graduated from there in 2013. Now, here's the thing about Occidental College. Um, now, tell, tell us where it's located. Okay, Eagle Rock, California which for those of you who are like, I have no idea what that means. It's <laughs> in LA County, but it's outside of like the city. It's like nestled between Glendale and Pasadena. Um, somebody named Barack Obama went there. I don't know, He's, you know. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing about Occidental College. Uh, until Barack went there, not a lot of people knew 
where the hell this place was or what it was. <laughs> and I'm one of those people that in high school had no idea where the hell this place was. Uh, they actually, they, they sent me a recruiting letter and wanted me to get back to them because their football team is, was a really good division three football team then. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and so they sent me this letter and I get this letter from some place called Occident. I don't know where the hell that's at. And so I just kind of discarded it. And so me and my guidance counselor about maybe two weeks later are talking about colleges. And he said, you know, there's a lot of really good schools, East Coast schools here and, you know, West Coast, you know, there's a place Occidental, a uh, really good school. And then there's USC. And he rattled off like three or four other schools. And I said, what, 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 rewind, Occidental, where, where is that anyway? And he said, oh, it's, it's like, you know, right outside of L.A. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. And so I tried to do what, you know, young folks try to do when you realize that you probably screwed up. Let's try to see if we can clean this up. So I reached out to the coaching staff and say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Uh, yeah. So can we like see about and they're like, no, no. <laughs> We're good. Thanks. But if you if you want to if you want to apply for regular admission, uh, we'll put in a word for you or we'll. But no, we're, we're not. We're not going down the road. And I'm thinking like, damn, yeah. And Occidental and she's being low key humble about it, but it's a really good school. It's a really good freaking school. Um, but damn, I could I could have I, me. Barack could have been like this one big, awesome, amazing trilogy. And I screwed it up. <laughs> And as you two mentioned, Occidental College is not one that people generally think of when they think about journalism programs. So for you, Mirren, what was your career path like, whether it started in college specifically, or what are some of the milestones that you think Occidental may have helped you encounter? There literally was no journalism program. I was like, wow. um, I want to go into journalism, but there's no classes and there's no major because, you know, it's a it's a really tiny liberal arts college. And so there was, you know, the, we didn't even have like business school, you know, it's very much like English and history and which I love all those things. But I was like, I have no idea how to become a journalist, especially because all the kids that went to USC, you know, whatever 20 miles away that they had the big fancy journalism school and like they were covering the division one team and I was covering like d3 oxy and you know by the time I got there the football was terrible so terrible it was like always in peril of being cut like like a, the program oh, no. <laughs> yeah. so I was like you know facing one of those things that a lot I'm, I'm sure you face too Kwani is like when we're young, we're like, okay, I need experience, but nobody wants to hire me because I don't have experience. Right. So I'm like, chicken or the egg, how can I get the experience? And so, you know, going to Oxy actually was the best thing for me because even though I was covering teams that were really, really bad at a really low level, I got to like learn how to do it and make mistakes and like just have some clips, you know, like I had like 10 stories that I could send to people and you know, I didn't get a internships my first year or my second year because, um, you know, I just didn't really have any experience, but I just kept applying. And I found that like, if I would reach out to a publication and say, here's the pitch on like the Sparks player, they would respond to that instead of like, do you have an internship for me? So I actually got my way in by freelancing. Um, like I would reach out to the LA Daily News and a lot of papers like that and, and just you know, try to get my foot in the door that way. And I found that like, then I could prove that, you know, I could operate in a professional newsroom, even though, you know, my college did not have the access that, you know, other people did. 
But, and then finally I'll say, you know, being an English major, I, I learned how to read and write. And so I, as you can see, I, I just became this humongous nerd and uh, I loved it so much. I could, I thought it was like a hoax. Like our homework is to read books and write about them. Like, how is this work? You know, for me, like I was just, you know, I'm such a reader. And so um, I really think it helped me in journalism because although I didn't learn how to write, say a journalism article, like I would have classes that would make us do papers on one punctuation mark or one word. And it was like this very like tunnel vision type of dissecting words and passages and attention to detail. And like all of those skills ended up helping me when I did go into journalism. That's awesome. Uh, I, I found, cause I, I teach over at Boston University and attention to detail. I find is the one fundamental flaw that damn near every student needs to get better at. Uh, understanding that, you know, that that missing quotation mark or that missing semicolon could mean the difference between your story getting read or your story getting trashed. Uh, little things like that. And, and I think you're right. I think smaller universities do afford you an opportunity to really kind of hone in on that stuff and, and just really perfect your craft without necessarily being thrown to the wolves in the process. Uh, so awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, Kwani, it's not, is it game time yet? Oh God, I think it is game time. I think it is too. As Miran, as, as you will learn, as you can probably see, we have a lot of fun in here. We, we definitely try to keep it loosey goosey, easy breezy. And we got a game, what is, is it pick and roll today, Kwani? It is pick and roll today. It's Don't mind roll. the noise behind me. Yes, it is okay. pick and roll. And you are given a chance to write a tell-all book. This is for Miriam. Actually, Sharadi can answer this as well. well I, I given a... Huh? <laughs> What'd you say? I plan to answer this one. Okay, I'm going to answer it as well. You're given a chance to write a tell-all book about one of these three players. Kevin Durant, James Harden, or Kyrie Irving. Who do you pick and why do you want to roll with that guy? Oh my God, you guys, I've been trying to get Kyrie for a very long time. So I'm going to manifest it right here, right now. There we this go. Happen. Um, I, I just think that there's so many sides to him. And I think the internet has destroyed him mentally in certain ways. And I'm very interested to see what he is outside of sound bites, media, digital, and just sitting down and talking with him. Um, I think he's so used to people mocking him and having a perception about him that he automatically shuts down. And I'd be so curious if I could disarm someone like that. Um, that would be a dream. So please make it happen. <laughs> well, I hate to hate to bust your bubble, Miriam, but we're going to fight for that one. <laughs> we are absolutely scrapping for that one. Uh, that to me, of, of those three athletes, he's the one that I think from a simple just consumption of content standpoint, he's your guy. Uh, mm -hmm. He's the one that people are going to absolutely lock in on because it's not just about your, your, your run-of-the-mill basketball aficionado who wants to know about Kyrie. You know, the, the, the mom who wants to know, why is, this, why is my kid talking about flat earth? Where, where did that come from? Or, you know, why? And from the guy, you know, who works at the machine shop, like, wait a minute, he, he, he wants guys to not be in a bubble, but he's not going to be in a bubble. So how can he convince guys to not do what he's not going to do, too? Uh, and and th there's just so many layers to Kyrie Irving that even if you're not able to get to the core, if you can get it to me, it's, it's like it's like a trip to the sun. 
you don't have to get all the way there, but damn, if you can get close enough and feel that real heat, feel that real heat, that's what you want. And with Kyrie, you know, with him being in Boston, I, 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 I'll tell you a story. The one time that him and I just, it was just him and I, one-on-one, we talked for like maybe a whopping 100, 120 seconds maybe, and it was just him and I. And the story was about his favorite superhero. And I did this kind of tongue-in-cheek thing about the favorite superheroes of all the Celtics. I didn't think it would be that, you know, big a story, but it, from a page view standpoint, it was awesome. It was amazing. And Kyrie opened up like I've never seen him open up before. We talked about Tony Stark, who's his guy. And if you think about the Tony Stark narrative, it kind of makes sense. For me, that was like my one moment of clarity with Kyrie Irving. And it was one of those things where you're feeling the connection, you're seeing the light. And the next thing you know, it's as if someone just comes and flips on the light and says, okay, show's over, gotta go, we're done. And you're like, no, I'm just getting started. This is just what I want. I, I think I think a Kyrie Irving book, regardless of who gets the gets the opportunity to write it, it will be not just a bestseller, it'll be a classic. I mean, because you know this is not something he's gonna do often. You pretty much have one shot, one shot, and you might not even talk get a chance to talk to him for that one shot. Okay, it's gonna be you, and I'm gonna be so jealous because I'm already oh my God. <laughs> I'm already seething right now at this 120 second exchange. God damn! Like, why couldn't that be me? <laughs> Let, let's put it this way: that 120 seconds, there, there must have been at least uh, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe 30 rejections before that one, and that was the one that I didn't think had any shot. Right. I mean. I don't think people is Kyrie really, Irving really going to talk about his favorite superhero. Apparently, yes, he will. I don't think people realize that how many rejections go into whatever sound bites we get. Like they have no idea. They think we just like show up and then people just say things to us. <laughs> it is a lot of boxing out and who do you, relationship building. Um, it's hard. It's it hard. Is. Like earning 120 of those seconds, like that's hard. And believe me, I counted every single second. Because they said you got a couple minutes, and I just immediately said that's 120 seconds, couple minutes, right. and we're gonna milk this. And and you and, and you know we we've all done this enough to where the subject matter kind of gives that look that okay we're we're pretty much done here. Uh, right. And I got that look at it like maybe the 138, 140 ish mark, but I said, damn it, we we plowed through this. We plowed through this. I got two minutes, and I'm gonna get all two minutes. That look, I'm I'm getting PTSD. Just just right. yeah, you know. <laughs> you feel right, it. You need, that, that you can feel it. The SID or the PR person mm -hmm. is right there, they're up your nose, and you're just like, okay, I'm gonna keep I'm just gonna keep talking because they're, they're gonna have to pull me out of the scrum. It is the most awkward thing ever. Yeah, there's the look, and then there's the feet tapping a little bit, oh, and they can oh yeah, the passive aggressiveness. <laughs> like, okay, chill, I know. Like I'm aware, like nobody's more aware of the time than me. Okay. Like I am aware. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think Kyrie definitely would be, was my answer initially as well. But since there's so much competition to write that book, I was like, next in line for me would probably be James Harden. Just because I feel like we don't know that much about him. He's notoriously known for having a jersey retired at a strip club, but like, who is he as a person? He, he's always affiliated with, drama so to speak outside of his personal um, basketball life so i'd yeah. love to hear a little bit more about like you said we're talking about marcus like 
who is he other than the media portrayal or what people tend to see at you know the service level? What does that core look like? Because I'd love to learn a little bit more about him. I want to hear that Kardashian chapter. That's what yes, I want. That I, is going to be a really. I'm good not chapter. even. I'm not even going to try to front and fake. Oh, you know, I want to hear what happened. In, in no, and, and, no, no. I want that Kardashian chapter because to me, <laughs> that's going to be. I guarantee you, when that book is written, that is going to be the chapter that they're going to tease. Intel in there is what they're going to tease because they know yeah. that's catnip. Yeah, so, James Harden, oh. let me write your book. I'm just manifesting all of these things right now. You're gonna write that book. I'm gonna like hopefully write like the the, the prologue to your book, Shra. <laughs> <There> we <go. laughs> awesome, awesome. This is great. This is great. Well, I'm I'm. This is awesome. This is this is. I'm, I'm happy. This is this has been a really happy day for me. Um, Shra's getting mushy, guys. I am. And that's why we got we, we got to shut it down because I'm getting I'm yeah. getting like sentimental. Um, because my my my, you know, this is this is awesome. Um, Mirren's like one of my favorite. In all seriousness, Mirren is one of my writers. Um, out there. Um, I I think she does long form as good as anyone out there. And the thing that people and she's not going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. She's racking up hardware like she's Usain Bolt. When you look at APSC and you look at all these other <laughs> awards. she can run, she can hide, but that hardware is going to find you and has found. Yes. So, I mean, I, I'm just really excited to have her on, on our, our podcast uh, because, she, again, she's amazing writer, uh, amazing podcaster. She's better. She, I'm telling you. Um, and before we get out of here, I want her to have, kind of have the floor and just let people know where they can find out more about her and, and her writing and all that other stuff. Because, you know, I, I've, I've been kind of low-key stalking her for a while. So I've, I'm just going <laughs> to shut my mouth and just kind of let her, you know, have the floor. Just kind of, you know, let folks know where they can find out more about what she's about. Oh man, thank you for that. It is so mutual and I'm going to need us to hold like a private podcasting session so I can get tips from you guys now that I'm at the ringer and I'm going to be podcasting and I'm like, okay, how, where is my microphone? Like, how do I do this? So I'm going to need help from you guys. Um, but yeah, no, I spent so much time on my website. So that means a lot that somebody other than my mother viewed it. So thank you. <laughs> um, it's just mirinfader.com. Uh, I have all my stuff from Bleacher Report, which is where I was before the ringer. And now I have my ringer stuff. Um, and uh, on Twitter, I, I am there, but I am not a person that tweets takes and like i don't you know i'm just too busy nerding out on books but you can great book recommendations by the way great yes. book recommendations i love it i love books and i love um giving writing tips um you can follow me at mirin fader i i there, i talk to a lot of young people about writing because um i'm a young person there are other young people out there that love writing but they feel like there's no route with long form so i kind of think like okay i'm gonna use my platform to like share my love of writing and reading in long form and and hopefully others can find that community online so you'll be getting a call from sharad in about another two to three weeks asking okay. you to speak to this class but just put it right <laughs> out there. the the uh invitation is welcomed and it is of course a hell yes and uh yes. You, thing? yes of course also you guys are hosting that like narrative mm -hmm. conference i signed up for or something some journalism oh conference. yeah i signed up for that because of you Marin. i saw you tweeted i think you tweeted about it I did. And I signed up immediately after. Oh, amazing. Okay, we're going to yeah. attend the conference together, but virtually together. together. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, 
Oh gosh, this is awesome. This is absolutely awesome. Now you've got a, a, a pretty sizable uh, literary endeavor sometime this summer. Am I? Mm, tell us more. I am writing. <laughs> <laughs> that was extremely well done and I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I am writing a book on Giannis. It's my first book. Uh, I profiled Giannis and his brothers, uh, not last year now, it's 2019. I'm losing my mind with time um, for Bleacher Report. And uh, the book is Giannis's biography, essentially. So we're going to start in Sepolia in Athens, and we're going to go all the way till now. Um, and I think like so much of, you know, what all of us talked about in our conversation about like finding humanity and like writing about who people are. That's what the book is. You know, of course you're going to have your basketball stuff for all the basketball nerds out there, but it, it's really a human story of like how somebody made this improbable journey and it's going to show more vulnerable sides of him, you know, because I think, um, and this is similar to the Marcus thing that we talked about. It's like, people don't talk about his mind, but Giannis is such an intelligent, thoughtful person um, that is very like devoted to his family. And so you will see more vulnerable sides of him than just, oh, he's so athletic. He's a freak. He's this, he's that, you know, there's, there's a much more human story to tell. So um, I, I think one of the reasons why I delayed coming on this podcast, cause I was underwater writing this book and dying, but I am so happy, um, that I came on here because you guys are awesome. And, uh, hopefully this book will be good too. So we'll see. Yes. And, you know, just to give you a little bit more detail about the book, because, well, as I said earlier, I've been low key stalking her for a while. Um, <laughs> it's available pre-order, uh, yeah. on Amazon. And you can get it on Kindle. You can get the hardcover. Uh, I'm not going to reveal which of the two, or potentially both. That you got I both. Done. You got both. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say. I'm just. I'm just giving the people options, Kwani. I just want them to have options. So, um, yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I'm pumped about this book. I'm. I'm really I'm excited for the book as well. I don't think you have to be a Giannis fan or even a Bucks fan to appreciate a story like his, especially in the NBA. It's definitely not a conventional one. Right. So I am looking forward to that book as well. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. This has been awesome. Mirren Bader, staff writer, The Ringer. The <laughs> Ringer. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the A-List podcast. And uh, I will try to keep my low-key stalking low-key as, as always. <laughs> um, now that you know that it's out there. So uh, again, <laughs> thank you so much for being on. This was awesome. This this has absolutely made my freaking day. Um, oh and so awesome. Um, <laughs> that was the most fun that I've had on a pod. And also, I just hope you know how jealous I am. Again, of your 120 seconds, I'm not going to let it go. Um, <laughs> but I will continue to stalk and befriend. And we will nerd out together at this conference. Uh, awesome. Let's do it. Mirren Fader. Ah, I feel so much better, Connie. <laughs> She's Fan so girl. freaking cool. She's so freaking she cool. She is. Well, I mean, I, the work that she's doing is just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna like, like, like hold back a little bit on, on my thoughts because I mean, um, yeah, I've been low key stalking her for a while because I, I just think <laughs> she's a real. She's a really good writer. Um, mm -hmm. and and now that she's kind of expanding her platform a little bit, you know, with podcasting. Uh, and, and the stories that she tells, uh, the NBA stories are awesome. Uh, I would strongly recommend people to you know, check out that that story that she did on LaMelo Ball. She actually did two stories 
one uh, when he was uh, first kind of heading overseas and another one, uh, I think maybe a year or so after that. So th those are really good stories, uh, doing lots of really cool stuff on, uh, the, you know, with the ringer and, and great stuff at Bleach Report. Uh, she's just a freaking cool person. And we could have been even tighter if I would have known what, who the hell or where the hell Occidental mm -hmm. College was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, played yourself. I, <laughs> I did. I did. It could have been me, her, and Obama. That's. Obama, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you talk about the trilogy of of, of talent. My gosh. <laughs> Imagine wow, a Barack really just... Ashley with me and Mir Mirren. Wow. Just be so up the same sentence as Barack. Wow. Absolutely. Stay that humble. would have been the crown Stay jewel humble, of his success. No question. The crown. That would have been the crown <laughs> jewel of all that he's done in life. No question about it. No question about it. So right. one. Yeah. Yes. What um, what's going on? What do you got? What do you got going on? So I did the interview with Ayanna Presley. If you're talking about outside of the podcast life, mm -hmm. it was good. It is on NBC10Boston.com slash 10 questions. If you want to quickly find it. And this last one for the Black History Month special, I'm talking to Seti Warren, who was formerly the mayor of Newton, but now I know is Seti. a professor. You know what's so weird about Seti, which I have to tell him when I talk to him? I actually volunteered to work his campaign my freshman year because I wanted to get into politics and I was a political science major. So I just randomly picked this person to go <laughs> recruit people to vote for them and then realize that politics was not my calling no he was he was actually one of the reasons why when when we were looking for a place to stay we moved to newton uh because oh. I, I i met him and he just seemed like a really really cool down-to-earth guy and yeah uh he actually you know my both both of my kids went to newton north just like he did and uh i'm i'm definitely checking that one out uh here what said he's got to say um, yeah but you're not the only one that got stuff going on. Yeah, I was going to ask, what about you? You drop new news every week. So what is the latest gig that you just got? <laughs> uh, we are with uh, Boston Sports Journal. And uh, one of my first stories was just uh, Danny Ainge talking about why the hell this team is 13 and 13. Uh, or, or frankly, playing 500 basketball. And who should be getting a big slice of the blame pie? I'm going to respectfully agree to disagree with him on who should be getting. I think it needs to be spread out a little bit more. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, I'm also, uh, I've got a piece coming in Bleach Report uh, later this week, uh, looking at that massive trade player exception that the Celtics will have this year that's worth $28.5 million. Uh, we'll look at some of the possible players that the Celtics may be in the market for and also get Danny Ainge's take on that that player exception, something that uh, no one else has, has really talked to him about and Danny hasn't really said a whole lot about. Uh, the trade deadline is about a month away, but certainly – uh, looking at where the team's at, looking at the massive trade exception they have, it, there's there's no time like the present to start getting that that ball rolling and talking about some of the options. So um, that's what I've got coming down the line. And the one thing we have coming down the line every week on the A-List podcast, betonline.ag, right, Quanny? Yes, another shout out to them. As always, make sure, one, you subscribe to the podcast, which is very important, five-star review if you think it's worth your time but again a betonline.ag they're the ones that continuously keep us going visit them at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and use the promo code you should know it by now clns 50 for your sign up bonus hashtag betonline use that when you 
bet and let us know what you win. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like I should have like a CLNS 50 tattoo or something like that. You should. You definitely... about it. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't want to give them any ideas. Damn it. I shouldn't have said that. I really shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they, they've been great partners with us, obviously. And, and, and we just, you know, we're loving the relationship and we're loving, you know, the feedback that we're getting on the A-List podcast. So keep it coming. Keep it coming so we can keep it going. Uh, a. Sherrod Blakely, Quanny A. Lunas. This is the A-List podcast. We are out.